Welcome to the Mystical Motherhood Podcast. This is Pritamatma, and today on our session, I have a guest who is also a client. And we did a live session that was just a casual one. It wasn't a reading or a healing. It was just talking about her process of using the meditations and my work. And she has really put all three of my books, Mystical Motherhood, Fertile, and Alchemy of Becoming, into her life to really change her life narrative and begin to leave her generational patterns behind. So we discuss this, we discuss moving towards your destiny, letting go of the density that prevents you from doing so, and letting go of huge family problems that sabotage your success and that you don't want to pass on to your children. So we go deeply into this and her work over her two pregnancies. She's pregnant with her second child now and how she was actually at a fertility clinic and she began to work with me and she be, she healed herself in a lot of ways, mentally, spiritually, and physically using the meditations and the inner process I teach. And she has had two natural occurring pregnancies, not to say that you know, IVF or IUIs are, are wrong or great. I, I love them too, but this was her story and she shares it with us. And it's a really wonderful podcast. It gets better towards the end. Actually, it was pretty profound. And I hope you get a lot from it. My newest book, Alchemy of Becoming, will be released by the end of this month. It is a jewel for awakening and will probably be read for many, many years, hopefully, and fertile and Mystical Motherhood are available on my website and on Amazon under Pritamatma. I have three courses available online too. You can go to www.mysticalmotherhood.com to see all three courses. One for healing generational patterns, one for conscious conception, and another one that matches my newest book, Alchemy Becoming Chapter by Chapter. And in this book, I explain the healing of relationships and the finding of a greatest love for yourself and then the greatest love for your partner. So I hope that you enjoy these courses and my upcoming release of my new book, Alchemy Becoming. Write me with any questions and leave a star rating for this podcast and share it on social media. It really, really helps the work spread. Thank you. So tell me how many weeks pregnant you are and where you're at in your journey and how you found mystical motherhood and then also or how it's affected your life and then and then what do you want to work on today okay um so i'm a little over 14 weeks pregnant um we found out we're having another girl um and i mean I, I came to Mystical Motherhood because for over four years ago, I did a few things. One, I did like a 10-minute kundalini yoga, yoga exercise with you, and it impacted me more than anything I'd done since I can remember. And, and that, you sort of introduced me to that world of meditation and and Kundalini yoga. And then, um, I was just having a really hard time conceiving our first child. Um, and it, I, my body wasn't working. I wasn't ovulating. I wasn't getting a period. Um, people just kept telling me to relax, to go on vacation, yada, yada. 
And then um, we, I thought we had to sort of take drastic measures after about two years of just quote unquote, trying to relax. And um, we did fertility treatments for about five months that just completely threw me for a loop. And I was depressed and gaining weight and um, not happy and hormonal. And I just kept thinking I had to push through one more IUI, one more IUI, one more round, and then we'll have our baby, even though I knew in my gut that I wasn't going to conceive my child in that sort of mental state. And, um, and I believe that was sort of right as mystical motherhood came out and you sent it to me and I started to read it and I started to, um, and I think you and I did a session. We did several sessions throughout that time. Um, and we came up with a plan to give myself like a three month break from fertility treatments. Oh, and I remember they said to give, they told me to have you break for three months and you'd be pregnant, I believe. Yes. And you listened. Yes. <laughs> yes. I listened. And um, if that was around December and so I stopped the fertility treatments and in January I got a period and my fertility doctor was like, Oh, that's just residual hormones. Your body isn't working, you know? And I, and even my husband was like, you know, let's go, to, let's go have a meeting about IVF. Like, you know, cause he was, he was ready as well. It had been two and a half years. And, and I was just like, no, I, I'm going to wait three months. And I, I knew that my body was starting to work because the work that you and I did and the work in mystical, mystical motherhood, it just, it just, it helped me sort of release all of my food, you know, control my desires to control my body. And didn't you also food. do the Kirtan Kriya? Yes, I did the Kirtan. Yeah, that. And everyone who's yeah, listening, and that regulates the menstrual cycle and helps with ovulation, I believe. Yeah. So I just think it was a combination of, you know, the work you and I were doing. I was meditating um, at least 10 minutes a day, um, which was huge for me to start out with. Um, and you had me build a little altar in what was going to be the nursery, and so I did my, most of my meditating in that room. And then um, I think it was, yeah, in early March or mid-March, I was, um, I had gotten two periods and I decided to, you know, sort of pee on an ovulation stick just because even though the doctor said it was just residual hormones, I again felt like my body was working again. And lo and behold, my body was ovulating, which it hadn't done in God knows how long, but I knew it I hadn't ovulated on its own in two and a half years. Um, and, you know, my husband and I, um, he didn't, you know, I did more of the, the meditating and the preparing from the mystical motherhood side. Um, but it's just, we, we knew it when we conceived our daughter. I knew it. And it was in love. 
and we were happy and relaxed and there was, it wasn't clinical. It wasn't, you know, um, it wasn't stressful. It was carefree. And, you know, two weeks later I found out I was pregnant and then I had my daughter nine and a half months later and it just, and then after having my daughter, um, I started ovulating again and had not just ovulating and having a period, but having 28, 29 day cycles. So then when we tried to get pregnant with this baby, it took two months and no intervention. And, and it just, it's incredible how, and also when grace came, my body, the breast milk came in, she was, you know, a pretty easy delivery. Um, I was able to push her out vaginally and, you know, I came from a mother who had a C-section, never breastfed because she had to take medication for her back. And so, um, and I came from a very strong Western medicine background and it's just, it's, I mean, it's amazing. I can't even, it's just funny for even telling, you know, kind of summarizing it now, um, it is amazing how much, how far I've come um, and how I just feel so much more free now. And, um, and yeah, and I guess what I want to work on today is I just, um, I don't know. I just kind of want to check in. There's a lot of change going on. I have, this pregnancy has been very, very different. I've been very sick. I've been vomiting a lot, which, you know, I am 16 years recovered from being bulimic. So that has been difficult. Um, I finally did call my doctor and she gave me some medicine to help, which has helped. But um, I feel like I'm already abandoning my two-year-old and I, I kind of feel like I'm back into that, like that sick that I've always, you know, like when I was on the hormones, like I was always sick. I was always tired. I was always in bed. I was always cranky. And, um, so, so yeah, I kind of, and, and yeah. What I'm reading for you is first off, I, when I read for you last time and I saw the baby coming, you weren't pregnant yet, right? No, I wasn't. Did you get pregnant that month or something? Yeah. And Nicole, and, um, I had it, I had my chart read in like you, um, suggested I do. I had my chart read in like August and she said December and I got pregnant in December. So, and I think you and I spoke, you said house and baby, and I was thinking more, what's my career move going to be? <laughs> yeah, and, and I literally, saw a new house and a baby, and that's happening. Okay. Yeah. So what I'm seeing yeah. for you now is, is when we really, there's like, I don't know if it happens to everybody, but like sometimes we completely change our whole lives. And it yeah. can be, you can think of it as spiritual. You can think of it as something natural that's actually supposed to happen in your life, but you're going through a period of a complete transformation on a level that you've actually never gone before. And I know you think that you've transformed in the past and this is not going to be like that. And I have a friend, when you were telling me you were sick, I have a friend 
that actually came to my house, a lot of people come to my house right before they conceive or around their 120th day. And it's very common for people to find my books right the day they conceive or they find it within a week. Or it's very, very interesting stories. And so she came to my house and she was, we were doing like a women's uh, weekend and it was her 120th day. So in the yogic background that I believe in, and you're coming up on yours, it's around the 17th week. The day of conception is considered your first day. And in this lineage of the yogic, yogic philosophy, that the soul of the child comes in around the fourth month or on the 120th day. And that's when you begin to talk to the child inside of you. And so we did a huge women's group and she happened to have the 120th day with all of her, like basically her sisters. So we called the child in and Isis came wow. through me and I felt it really powerfully and she got very sick. Um, I mean, not a little sick, like she got the freaking flu that weekend out of nowhere and she couldn't get out of bed. She had a hundred and something degree temperature and all these different things. Now she has got a wild child. The child's like big blue (laughs) eyes, like super powerful. Like for example, you know, I did these Kundalini meditations with one of my daughters in the womb and she's the one who introduced me to the lineage. It's probably her lineage and her name is India and she is a complete psychic. Like the child doesn't stop and it's probably going to become more and more. And I just, you know, listen to her and ask her questions <laughs> because she's very, <laughs> very smart. Right. But, um, yeah. I think it, I don't know, there's no science to this and I'm not sure if I'm right, but I kind of feel like sometimes when you're carrying a different kind of a soul, you have a really visceral reaction to it. And the girl that was really, really sick on her 120th day. I mean, I think it was just a if you can believe in frequency or you can believe in these kind of things. I mean, there was no rhyme or reason for her to get that sick. She's a healthy young yeah. aunt. She just got like, like a hundred and three degree temperature, right? On the 120th day or leading up to that. I mean, she was so nauseous. She was the most nauseous with that pregnancy. She was super, super sick. And it could be that her frequency is changing. could be that her life's changing. And you're kind of on the, the precipice of, creating an entirely new narrative, which is something I talk about in this new book, Alchemy of the Coming, which you read. And it's like, how do you completely let go of the old story, the old story completely, and live an entirely new narrative in your life? Now, do you feel like this is accurate? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I, my entire life has been turned upside down in, in the best way possible. And um, Just and I, background I for it. everyone listening, um, Megan was like a, may I say your, it's okay if I said yeah. your name, <laughs> yeah. she was running her family's company and it was very, very toxic. And she was working through the wounds of her parents. Like what I talk about in Alchemy of Becoming, which is something you all read, is, is working through the deep wounds of the original wounds of our past in order to create a new life narrative. And so a lot of the women are going to have to do this to, to completely change. And all toxicity of this old age will have to go away or will be confronted in your life. And you went through that. Yeah. And you let it go and it's really creating your own narrative. And what does that look like? And not getting into that old past, that old past story. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And when you read the book, how did it help you get through that? Um, I mean, it just, because 
I felt like I was in it. Like, um, it just, it helped me see that everything I was feeling because I was also getting physically ill, um, in the very, very beginning. Um, and, and sort of, it gave me hope to see that there was something on the other side. And, and you are correct that I thought I had transformed myself many times in the past. I, I, you know, overcame a pretty serious eating disorder where I was throwing up two or three times a day for five years and then stopped that and worked through it and, and healed from that. And then I, you know, a few other, you know, major transitions, but nothing like what I'm doing now. And so sort of reading that book while going through it and seeing that there one, I wasn't alone. And two, this was sort of part of the process and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel um, is what really helped me get through it. And, and also just, just having, I just feel like my intuition and instinct, like I, I knew I was exactly where I needed to be. And, and I, you know, for me, the beginning of quarantine almost a year ago, um, you know, I, everyone kind of had to sit still with their feelings and, and that is what sort of was the beginning of the transformation for me. And I realized, you know, I'm in my late thirties and I don't really have toxic relationships in my life anymore. You know, I always seem to have one or two female friends that were toxic in my life that I allowed kind of like a bully relationship where I was afraid of them and would please them over my own needs, over my boyfriend's needs, et cetera. And I was just thinking how I don't have anyone like that in my life anymore. And then I realized, wait a second, my most toxic relationship is with my parents. And, you know, for eight years, I put my husband, I put their needs ahead of my husband's. And, and then when I had my daughter, it really, that was the beginning for me of saying, I cannot and will not put my daughter's needs. I will not put my parents' needs ahead of my daughter's. And, um, and sort of realizing that the final toxic relationship in my life was that with my parents, um, you know, it was pretty jarring. And then I didn't ever plan to cut contact, but, you know, all I did was try to put up one single boundary and that was enough for them to just explode and kind of do for me what I don't think I could have done for myself. And that was the, the best thing that could have happened to me. Um, so what Megan, but it's scary. Yeah. What you're referring to is, is in the awakening process, you go through a realization that you're creating your own chaos And it comes from a story that you're not willing to let go of because you're so used to that baseline frequency. And it's so ingrained within your subconscious to recreate the pain because it's the frequency and the known of your world. And it it usually has to do with the baseline of your parents 
typically, and then it's repeated with friends, family, loved ones around you. And in order to keep that kind of chaotic experience going, whatever your story is. And so the letting go of it is is really creating an entirely new timeline. And that's what this Aquarian age is about, is creating these kind of families. So what you're doing now, as I'm like recognizing how powerful this is, you let go of of all so she went through all of the what I talk about in alchemy of becoming is you have to go through the fire through the water through the air through the earth as you transform and in that every part of the lower chakra systems of power of wealth of safety of fear of you know control gets shaken up and redesigned and so hers was letting go of the family business that was bringing in you know you were uh, millions you know in the end right And you have to let it go to know that you can recreate it again. And that recreation, again, doesn't come from somebody outside of you telling you this is how you're going to do it. It comes from you recreating it with yourself, your husband, or the way you're going to do it that's co-creating with God. And so what you're doing right now, Megan, is you are recreating your life again. And you'll do something very powerful, right? But it will be along with a co-creation of what you want to do with God. And it's going to take you baby steps to get there. Because right now you're going through the rebuilding of the family structure, which is completely different than the generational patterns that you grew up with. And so it's so unknown and it's so sacred and it's so special. And it's very rare to actually let go of the past like that. And so you're buying this new house, you're having the second baby, which we saw coming through, and you're basically redesigning your consciousness with this new baby. And the baby's going to provide you a gift for the family and provide you a new consciousness, just like India did for me. Completely new consciousness. And so right now, that it's not an accident you're talking to me before your 120th day, is this is the most important period of your life. And of the baby's frequency. It's like right now you can amplify your frequency to the point every single day should just be to the purpose of amplifying yourself so that you can bring in the highest caliber soul. And then you work with that soul and whatever you need, whatever you need, you say, bring it to me now. I command it to come through. Like I need, I need you to show me my highest destiny. What's your highest prayer? I need you to show you my destiny. What's my destiny? What do you need on this earth? Like what kind of, it's like, what are you trying to co-create with? And that's how, that's, that's what you can offer the universe. And that's what the universe will give back to you. Like, show me what I'm here to do and bring the soul in that will take, the soul will give you a gift because you're giving the soul a gift of life. You're like the mystical motherhood family design because <laughs> you've done the uh, so long. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, oh, uh, it is. It's, you know, it just, the way you explain it is just so moving and eloquent. And it just like, it gets me. Um, Cause I believe you, I believe you. And um I just, I, I never thought that I could do it. Like even 20, 30 years ago, I knew as a child in my gut, I knew something wasn't right. I knew something wasn't right in the world I was living in and being raised in. And the, the, I knew the values and the value system, something wasn't right there, but you know, as an eight year old, you're not, you know, I wasn't allowed to question anything. 
And, um, and yeah, you're right. And, and, and I'm recreating my wealth and, and I did, I walked away from extreme security and, um, you know, but I also walked away from tox toxicity and abuse and a lifetime of anxiety. And that's what I thought was normal. I thought it was normal to, to need to always sort of self-medicate with wine and weed and, and food or, or lack of food or, you know, over-exercise or, um, to just be around family and to sort of get through family functions. And, um, well, all those things, yeah. All those things, I mean, the way I'm seeing it is like, they just fill up the spaces of the love you don't have for yourself. And people are always, you know, talking about what self-love is and, and it, and it, and it's really looking at all the parts of yourself that need to be filled up with seeing that they were empty and seeing that there's shame and seeing that there's guilt and seeing that there's patterns and then filling them up with um, like taking the, taking those out because, but what all those things are, those sabotaging things that we all do and still do in our own ways, they just become more subtle is they just don't allow ourselves to really see the parts of ourselves that are unloved. And this is a, an odd question, but it's a question to kind of look at as we, you know, you said, I never questioned my reality because you as an eight-year-old, you know, you're like, you felt something was wrong and you, and you didn't, but you didn't know how to say it. And you didn't, you know, like you didn't know how to find your voice. And then as a result of not finding your voice, you overcompensate by, you know, the eating disorder or the, the whatever. Right. And then in New York, in the New York school system, all the, all the schools have different ways of COVID testing, right? Some are not doing it. Some are like allowing, there's no set rules to it. So at this particular school we're at, they, they test over everything. So they test randomly, they test every break. Even if you don't travel, they test, if you have any sort of contact, they isolate. It's very stringent. And I wrote an email this morning and I said, there's no evidence on any of this. We're just testing five and six-year-olds um, five times in four months or two months, one month really. And I said, what, and they're not an at risk group. Um, you know, I, if maybe if the other people have elderly around, they can test their child and choose to do that. And, and then I questioned it because it just feels wrong to me because 99% of people aren't questioning anything. And it's a really good example of going against the norm and saying, you know, like, this doesn't feel right to me. I'm not going to do this because it doesn't, I don't, you know, I, I want to know what's going on. It's like a good example of something that just feels, I couldn't even sleep over it because it's like, why am I allowing this when it doesn't, there's no evidence as to this being helpful. Side yeah. story, but I feel like more and more as a society, we're going to begin to question the level of control and, and get past these veils of ignorance on so many levels that it has to come on a personal level to, in order to manifest on a more macro level of change for this world of the way things should be and, the, and what it looks like. And the old structure is, is going to hold back by creating a level of control over the body, mind, and soul. Yeah. That's a side story, but no, but that's, that's very relevant. I, I had something similar where we're looking at preschools and, um, you know, 
a lot of people around me are stressed out about preschools and it's very typical West LA culture. And um, we did a Zoom tour of one that I heard great things about and that a few different people I knew really loved. And the second the Zoom tour started, I didn't like it. I didn't like the director. I didn't like the way the tour was formatted. I didn't like the school. I, I didn't like anything about it. But I didn't question anything. And I, I still applied even though my husband and my husband was like, I don't like it. And I'm like, Oh, come on. You know, like it's just a zoom tour. And then I real, and then, um, I still applied and it was a very ridiculous type of application, um, in terms of time consuming and whatnot. And then most recently they sent an email asking us to send them a three minute video answering the same questions that we answered in the application. And I don't know, it just, it felt, it just felt wrong to me. It felt like every other preschool has managed to work the process around COVID. And like you guys are blaming COVID on something. And now we have to like, you know, curate a three minute video. Um, and you know, and I really, it was when I was in the throes of my nausea. And you know what it was, Megan, is, and I talked about this with Leanne, another person I just, I'm having on my podcast and it's, it's the narrative. Okay. So you have your narrative is that kind of Orange County family system of, you know, wealth, wealthy, many applications to get into this thing. And this is what it looks like. Right. And it's very controlled and mechanism and, and, um, it's posh. And the ex exclusivity, like if it's exclusive, then it's good. And, and never question authority. I was never taught to question anybody as, and I think it's as a female there as well as, um, I was never allowed to question my parents and, and never questioned anybody, never coaches, no teachers, no anything. And, and same now it's like, this guy's the director of a preschool that a few people like, and who am I to question it? But it's your and, intuition and it's the old narrative. Yeah. It's the old story sneaking in. So even if you blow yeah. through the big story, remember you always get tested again. Yeah. The universe will always test you to say, are you sure you're done? Are you sure you're done? And then of course, if you're living in the land of this, you're always, it's going to be around, but that's when you follow the into, you know, the intuitive guide of the awakening process isn't going to look like anyone else's path. It's just like that Robert, whatever poem that's like, take the other road. I don't even right, know it, right, but there's Brock. two roads in the, <laughs> the, the forest, the village forest. And I took the one less traveled by. And it's always kind of taking that turn that doesn't, it's not logical. It's completely mm -hmm. illogical. It's a heart-based experience of like, well, I can't really pinpoint why I have to do this. But my higher self, I mean, you couldn't say that to anybody. You just say, you know, this doesn't feel right. And, and right. it's never that, once you start to think about it for those three minutes, it's not that decision. Right. And, and yeah. And it's, so it is funny because you're right. The testing, it's like, that was sort of a test and we decided not to do the video and I don't regret it. And, and I kind of, I feel like I had my own little epiphany of like, I'm allowed, like, just because it's like, 
it's like applying to a school. It's a two-way street. And I get to decide whether I like that school or not, as well as they get to decide whether they want me there or not. And it's like, I've always been on just the, oh, please pick me, please pick me. I don't, I don't get to think or choose or feel. And, and I feel like this is a really good lesson for me and my child too. And that, um, it's not all about doing what everyone else is doing because I need to blindly trust everyone else. I need to trust myself and my instinct. And it, it is probably great for many people. And for me, it just didn't work. And I feel like I got that second opportunity to sort of say no um, and, and kind of follow my instinct, which you're so right with the little tests. Um, I feel like you and I were talking about that recently where I feel like I've, I've sort of been through the war but, you know, I still, it's like 37 years of a certain way of thinking, acting, and behaving. It's not going to go away in six months. Um, and I'm really glad you just sort of reminded me of that. No, it's and, not going to go away in six months. And right when you think it's gone away, <laughs> you're going to have another year of testing of subtly raising your self-esteem in different ways. And, and for everybody, right. you know, in, in my book, Alchemy of Becoming, I, I give the example of the wound as a relationships, showing up in relationships. Now your wound will show up in different forms in different people, typically through women for you. A lot of times, I mean, a lot of times it feels like it's through women and relationships because that was like your mother wound, right? Everybody has a different sort of wound. So it shows up and it's subtle. And then you're like, wait a minute, you're so attracted to it too. It's always the bright, shiny thing. And then you're yeah. like, let me question this. Let me question the reality and, and, and see how the, cause it's, it's all just a universal play. Uh, it's literally a play in front of you. The universe <laughs> is all the people are actors of the past, the present, or just, I mean, like, and you can choose these narratives. Yeah. But until you know, just to give you an example, like until you know what you don't want, you can't know what you want. You have to know the opposite of what you do not want in your life. So you had to see that preschool to so to know I don't want this. Right. And and yeah. and and it comes in all forms because we're not on a planet. We have to we experience ourselves through um, polarity. And we know and, and that's how we know who we are is through the reflection. It's a mirror planet. And so uh, we only know ourselves through the reflection of the world outside of us, which maybe other places it's not like this, but the polar, the polarity of it helps us to see who we are here. And so thank God it exists. And everybody has variances of that polarity and experiences yeah. around it. Yeah. What are you thinking? Just that what you said about the females in my life um because I do feel like more recently the women I feel like you know my relationship with you I've met um my I have a bond with my acupuncturist she's I feel like she's a healer Celestine um and like a few other women who have come into my life recently and that is really fascinating um that you just said that because this um, was a man 
and that I was a little turned off by. And, um, and so I never really have thought about it that way. But um, it doesn't have to yeah. be women. But I'm just saying, the more you love yourself, the more the the, right. the wound will sh- the wound will disappear, and it will come in yeah. very like very strings of it. But then the the world will then reflect that love back through you through all your new experiences. With you can't reflect the the sadness. I mean, the, just like the emotions I talk about in Alchemy of Becoming of of anger of grief of you can't. If the emotion affects you, if you're incredibly sad or you're really mad at the person because of that thing or um, there's something in it within you. I mean, it's a normal to have the emotion. I, believe that. I don't like yeah. to be controlled or I, like this morning when I was mad about the over COVID testing, I was just protecting my children. And so there was a, but it's not going to take my whole day up. Where, you know, if you're, if you're in anger, you may be angry all day, or if you are, and, and you're really mad at somebody because they're reflect, but they're just reflecting a part of you that need healing. And so when, as the more deeper you begin to heal yourself, you'll need less reflection from these people to show you the parts of yourself that need to change. And then you'll just be reflected back by like, wow, the things I love in you are what's in me. You know, the, the, the experience I'm yeah. experiencing through you is a mirror of who I am. How beautiful is that? Like, I just love just talk to you. We're having such a beautiful conversation because I'm loving myself and I'm loving the yeah. thoughts I'm thinking and I'm loving the, the, the co-creation of the environment I've just produced that I'm taking full responsibility that I own it and I created it myself because I'm a co-creator with God or the universe. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true self-love. And that's when all the parts of yourself that were once filled up with the, the cocaine and the throwing up and the drinking and the um, over-exercising, like you don't have to fill them up anymore. So you can fill them up with um, variances of reflections that are, that actually are deeper. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. And that's very touching. And then you're going to find that as you go on this awakening path even more, you'll find, and everyone who does, everybody in your life will change. And I remember when Celestine one day, it was years ago in Marin County when I lived there with my husband, and I, she, and I said, you know, I feel like I need to let, she goes, are you ready to let go of your soul family, of the family you're in right now? And I was like, she goes, once we cut the cords, you're going to have a whole new family. And, and you know, like you're, you're going to go to the highest of the highest of your incarnation and meet the souls that will, you know, in, really put you on your highest destiny. And I said, oh, whatever. She goes, trust me. And she did this little thing of like, and we did this like ceremony. And then my, everybody in my life left. And within like, I said, like six months, like I found like, I mean, within a year, I, I met my soul families from across the world. And I mean, it can get so broad. Once, and, you, and when you're beginning on the path of awakening, when you're, you feel very lonely because you're at a vibrational frequency that you're trying to move out of, but you have to let go of that density of the frequency before you find yeah. the people that match in your frequency. And that have the same belief systems as you or that are experiencing the world from this alternative view, which is, you know, far, few and far between. But then you'll go on the soul's path and the soul's mission and and you'll connect with the people that are like sisters and brothers from this. And I don't mean it in a weird way, but in like, like they feel like your family. 
And yeah. so you re- in this new age, we recreate what family is based on a vibrational frequency rather than a bloodline that is not necessarily the way that we'll connect in the future. Does, does, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 100%. And I feel like that'll happen for you, but you had to let go of the old and jump off the cliff and get tested yeah. a few times of, will you dip your foot back in this old pool? Yeah. Of Because of, your vibration is that like orange, you're letting go of the generational history of the Orange County kind of high money, whatever experience right. where everybody has their own, their own historical past. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I remember when you told me when I spoke with Celestine and you were like, and I was like, what happened? You're like, my whole life changed. And I was sort of like, oh, I don't really know how that could happen to me, you know, because again, like, I feel like my friendships, I don't really have any toxic friendships or anything up here in my life in LA. And, and it was like, oh no, Meg, your life can change. It will change. And it did. And it was like, I just, I never even, because it never even occurred to me that I could leave that world. And when you're ready to change, you know, a powerful book will come through, uh, you know, like even with mystical motherhood, the, it, it's not the person really, it's the energy running through the human and it, and it's never the human that heals you. It's the, the, the ability for the, the person to connect to the divine, to allow the divine to heal you. And, and I didn't, now that I'm thinking about it, it actually is like Jesus, like Jesus is like, I'll make this water red or, or bloody. I, I, I don't know anything about Jesus, but I know that he, is a man of God. And he does, he didn't believe he had his no ego in it. He just was serving because he was connected to this higher source of, of, of power, which is not himself. And he never said it was him. And, and so when I bring on healers, which if anyone who's listening, like Celestine Starr is a, a wonderful healer that I worked with and I did a podcast with her. You can find it in the podcast. And, you know, the more you awaken, the less people you find that are actually of this planet. <laughs> and you'll find a lot of people that, you know, you begin to see that, that people are not so human. And then you'll begin to travel and you'll really begin to see of, of like there, there are different shapes. There's shapeshifters. There's, you know, energy vampires. There is very like humans. And the more subtle you become, the more subtle you'll be able to read who's in front of you. So that person you didn't like you might be reading that he has a past variance of an energy vampire like your father. And so that's what I'm reading <laughs> oh, from him. So and so you're like, I yeah. don't like him, but I don't know why. <laughs> and so the more subtle you become, like I had a patient in the clinic the other day and I was, I was sitting there and I got so tired and I couldn't protect myself. And I was like, whoa, I'm getting really drained. And I was like, she's an energy vampire. Wow. And I didn't know what they were until I, were, I, I didn't really understand what they were until I re- read Dr. Christian Northrup's recent book called Energy Vampires. And, and I was like, ah. it is. it's a very good book. Anybody listening who may be getting drained, but you cannot pinpoint it because you're used to the vibration. And so you don't know, you know, you, uh, you need to know, you know what, you don't know what vibration is healthy because if you grew up in an environment that wasn't healthy, it's your baseline frequency. So separating from that is actually creating an entirely new frequency in your body 
and your families. Yeah. And so you kind of have to have reference point of other people are like, no, it just doesn't feel right. Cause you don't know what you have again, until you know what you don't like, you can't know what you do like. Yeah. You, if you don't, you know, if you don't know any better, you, you have to learn over time and space of what feels good and what doesn't feel good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's so true. I want to read that book, Energy Vampires. Cause I do, I, I feel like there are certain interactions or whatnot, or even phone calls where I'm just like exhausted afterwards. And, um, yeah. And my father was an energy vampire, a hundred percent. And my mother too, I guess. Um, cause I, I mean, oftentimes after spending time with them, I would become very sick, physically ill, um, for a few days after, spending time with them. And that was sort of became the norm. And I remember thinking like, wow, I get sick way more often than my husband does. I wonder why that is. And yeah, it's just funny how the mind and body, like I never really connected that. And I am learning what my new frequency is because, um, yeah. And hopefully next time something like that happens, I'll, I'll feel it stronger and, and love myself enough to, to listen to my instinct from the beginning and, and feel confident enough to question things. Cause I've never, I rarely question anything. Well, I mean, it's even like and, just as simple as like a woman who's, you know, doesn't want to have sex with a man, but like, doesn't want to displease him. And so right. she'll do something just because, you know, she doesn't know what to say and, 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 uh, and that's very common is you don't know, you don't know your boundaries or you don't know, you don't want to make anybody upset. You don't want to hurt them. Like you can give them a chance. And, and that's really not really loving yourself enough no. to say, you know what, this doesn't feel good to me. Yeah. Oh, so true. Oh my goodness. Anything else before we go that you want to work on? Or are you feeling good? Was I'm feeling good. Today? Yes. Oh my gosh, Chelsea. Yes. <sighs> awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome.